play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot cope with him. Can't do it. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. I am your host, Neil Maligno. This is our official Scott Fishbowl episode. And today we're keeping it strictly gang gang. Josh, what's up? Gang gang? Gang gang. Gang gang. This guy cannot do an intro to save his life. Adam, what up, man? Gang gang, bro. Gang gang, man. It's gang gang. By gang gang, there's no guess. Uh, I like how Josh said it with a question mark on yeah. it. It totally <laughs> threw me off. Josh is like gang gang. Uh, he's not really. He's twice. not. Re- I don't know if Josh is a good representative for Oklahoma or if he's a bad representative. I'm the best representative. I don't know about that. I think people in Oklahoma would beg to differ. Anyway, well, well. anyway, anyway, let's move on to Scott Fishbowl. For those who are listening, I mean, I'm assuming everybody knows who it is, what it is. We've been doing these episodes for the last like three years, right? Something like that. Um, but if you don't know, if you're not familiar with it, Scott Fishbowl is a league, a league that everybody wants to be a part of. Uh, just to show proof of that, there's over 10,000 people who sign up every year to be a part of it. Started by Scott Fish. Surprise. It's really, uh, that's just sums it up. It sounds like an interesting name, but it's really actually his name. So that's pretty cool. It's a charity league. The last 10 years, it has donated to, well, he has Fantasy Cares, but it's a Toys for Tots is the main goal. So it's kind of a league to bring the community together. At the same time, it's through charity. So Clock Dodgers, for instance, has an Eliminator League set up by John Bosch. He also helps a lot with Scott Fishbowl stuff. These Eliminator Leagues are a lot of fun, Um, which I must mention that this year was the first year, I believe, that he's done it this way, where you could randomly get put into leagues. Um, which not that I didn't like people who selected to be in Clock Dodgers is obviously awesome. Um, and some people did select to be in Clock Dodgers specifically for this year too. But there were a bunch of people who actually didn't like select Clock Dodgers. They just said, hey, throw me in a random league. I think they're in like tons of them. And they just said, hey, throw me in a bunch of random leagues and let's see how it plays out. And it's been like this beautiful thing, man, because we're all like connecting with people we don't know now because of this, which was kind of the goal like to start with, I think. And so it's like really cool. Like there's people who have like never listened to the podcast. They didn't know what clock Dodgers was. Now they're listening. They're supporting what we're doing. They're like really cool people who have great conversations back and forth. So shout out to John Bosch for those. It's really cool. And I like that he, you know, introduced that, um, that into the mix, that random stuff. And he, you know, John Bosch is always creating stuff. So it makes sense that he's the one that did that. But we're going to talk about Scott Fishbowl heavy on this episode. This won't be the only time we talk about Scott Fishbowl. Let's be honest. We're going to have guests on. We're going to be talking about it more and more as things get closer and throughout the season. But this is like the introduction episode that we like to do each year. So let's break down the league really quick, just the basics. Uh, the roster requirements this year um, are, I believe they're the same as last year, actually, um, which was the one quarterback, two running back, uh, three wide receiver, one tight end a super flex and three additional flexes. Um, so with the Scott Fishbowl, they always require you to have a lot of starting roster spots. I believe, uh, actually, if I said there were three flexes, I'm trying to remember if there's three or four. It's hard to keep track of the full number it's of four. players. But I, yeah, I think there's four, right? Yep. Uh, so there's actually 11 total starters. So, I mean, it's deep rosters. That's that's kind of always been the biggest thing with the Scott Fishbowl every year is just how deep the rosters are. 
And then, you know, the thing that makes the Scott Bush Bowl unique is that the scoring format changes each year. And, uh, you know, Josh, you can kind of touch base on some of the big changes that were made for this year. So the big changes this year, I think, are really all to do with quarterback. And so you have the negative uh, half a point for incompletion. I could be wrong about that. Negative points for incompletion. And then there's also a negative for sack. And I think the the big difference that is made is that quarterbacks now drop off at, at a rate that is similar to the other positions. And it also changed the ranking of the quarterbacks. So guys who have a very high completion rate, maybe they check down early, maybe they don't get sacked. Guys like Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins are rising way up in the ring. And at the same time, there's this drop-off that I, I think it creates an urgency to grab the quarterback position. Yeah, yeah. And- so... Just specifically, hold on, hold on, uh, Adam. Just to just to make sure we know, it's negative one point per sack, negative one point per incompletion. So it's negative one for both. Thanks. Yep. And then it's 0.5 for every completion. Yes. So essentially, every incompletion negates two completions. So what that really boils down to is two thirds a ratio. So from like a completion percentage standpoint, you want quarterbacks that can complete more than 66% of their passes because then they're going to kind of be in the green from a completion point standpoint here, uh, which is interesting because looking at that, I believe there was only eight quarterbacks that did that last year. Um, so like Josh said, that that drop-off, that can partially influence that. And I'm sure that sacks play another unique factor in that. Uh, I know for myself personally, this would be the first time I ever play in a league that uh, had negative points for sacks and I know it's not something that's super common out there. For anyone who's not familiar with Scott Fishbowl, it is um, that is one of the big things each year. The scoring changes um, to keep it fresh. Another big factor is you can't make trades within the league, um, so therefore waivers become very important. Um, you know, it's a um, a bid-in waiver system, so that's you know again there's there's all kinds of these like things that just make this super interesting. Of course, no kickers or defense because that's what real fantasy leagues do either way. Um, over 1,400 teams, I believe, this year. Um, so it's like just a ton of people, 120 leagues, divisions, however you want to look at them. So there's just a, it's a lot of fun. There's just a whole lot of stuff going goes into it. Basically, all your research that you do for your normal leagues, you know, you apply it in some sense here, but it, most people create their own special rankings and, and special tiers and whatnot just for this league. Um, and it's a league mix of analysts, fans, all, all kinds of people from all across the you know fantasy landscape. Um, and it's just a lot of fun, man. Like there's there's no downside to this. Like it's just an amazingly all around. The cause is is more amazing than anything else. And just playing, like I said, with new people every year, you know, being introduced to new people. It's funny because even ever like um last year I was in a league with Jordan, um, who's over with, you know, Ray, De- Destination Debbie. And um, we didn't even know each other then. <laughs> and then this year we're talking like, hey man, we didn't even realize I was in a league with you last year in Scott Fishbowl. So it's like it's just pretty cool. Like you just get, you know, you get to know a bunch of new people and stuff. So it's a lot of fun. People start group chats over it and, you know, it's just a lot of fun stuff. So we're going to talk a little more specifically, but before we go into the specific questions and players and like I said that we have here, do you guys have anything else about the Scott Fishbowl that you feel is important to mention before we get into this stuff? Yeah. I mean, we talked about the positional scoring a little bit and how it uh, has shifted for quarterbacks this year, but some traditional things that are carrying over from last year that are still very different from your normal league is that uh, for rushing and receiving, 
uh, you're getting a half point for reception and then a half point for rushing and receiving first downs. Uh, and then those totals essentially double for tight ends. So tight ends get an additional 0.5. So it's a full point for reception and a full point for first downs for tight ends. So that, that always offers kind of this interesting element where a lot of people don't track first downs as much as they do receptions. Um, so there's just a lot of in-game factors that, that make the Scott Fishbowl really unique. Yeah. It's do- like, it's too much to process for me. Like I just <laughs> have to look at, so some, there was a guy, I wish I knew who he was, but he put out a historical average for just, just to finish, you know, points, worst, best to worst. And so you can kind of see how the positions fit in as you go down through the ranks. And to me, that has created a clearer picture than trying to think about the scoring because there's just so much going on there. Yeah, it's interesting because when I first looked at the scoring, um, I think you and I kind of discussed a little bit some of the changes, especially uh, to the quarterback position like you were emphasizing. And, you know, playing in a completion league, you immediately think, like, that's going to have this gigantic impact. What was interesting is once I actually started to math it out, if you will, the impact of having incompletions worth twice as much as completions really just made it so that whole thing kind of negates itself. I mean, even the best quarterbacks last year from, like, a completion percentage standpoint – we're not having a huge fantasy impact from a point standpoint in a scoring system like this. I'm pulling it up right now because I didn't have the completion percentage in front of me. But if I remember correctly, it was something like roughly an additional 30 points coming from the completion percentage or, or, you know, from their completions for the player that had the best completion percentage last year. So, at the end of the day, it might be like an extra two to three point per game influence. That that can be huge. I mean, it really can be when it comes down to just like the nitty gritty of points. But I feel like it's going to be one of those things that gets overemphasized. And honestly, looking into it more, the sack aspect is what I think is going to be underemphasized and something that I'm more curious about because players like you mentioned before uh, in, in Derek Carr and, and Kirk Cousins, people look at them and they're like, yeah, those guys have huge completion percentages. But what's interesting is they also don't ever really get sacked or at least didn't last year. So I think that that might be the factor that I look into the most. But I think when you have scoring like this, you just have to kind of figure out what are the most important things to focus on. Cause like you said, it, you can't focus on everything. Yeah. And, and just to point out like, um, Ryan over at goingfor2.com. Um, he, he created a list. I shared the link somewhere. Um, I forget where I shared it, maybe in a group chat or something. Um, but he has a list of um, basically comparing 2019 PPR, um, you know, uh, placement by play scoring versus the Scott Fishbowl scoring. So, like, how, how it would adjust the player. So, j- just so listeners know, maybe either who are new to Scott Fishbowl or just haven't really dug into this kind of stuff yet, you know, on his list, he has, like, let's say, and just looking at quarterbacks, you guys mentioned Derek Carr. So Derek Carr in PPR last year, or according to the scoring that he was using here, yeah, it was 15th. Um, I believe it was 15th. Um, he In this scoring, he's like number eight. So it pushes him up into the top 10. Someone like Drew Brees was 21st. In this, he's sixth. You know what I mean? So 
Um, that's just the difference just for quarterbacks alone. And you can look at Ryan's um, ranking stuff that he did here. I, it's a really good sheet I, to look at. I got to say, I really feel like uh, this style of scoring has sort of improved the taste of the quarterback in the ranking. Like, I feel like this is actually closer to who's good and who's not. Yeah, sort of. I see what you mean, sort of. Yeah. Derek Carr is underrated. Are you really going to give me a yeah, sort of, when I'm trying to talk <laughs> to you about Derek Yeah, well, because even Neil could see that that was a nonsense <laughs> argument. But sure, bud. Cool, yeah, completion percentage. That's what tells us who the good no, quarterbacks are. Not just that, but it matters. It does matter. I mean, yeah, I think it matters just about as much as the scoring here indicates, which is that it is something that people will over-focus on and doesn't have that much of an impact. He's above your boy Kyler, Adam. What do you say about That's that? That's true. What do you say about <laughs> yeah. that, buddy? Like, like that's I mean, not- Kyler was sacked a ton <laughs> last year. I think sacks are going to play a huge factor. So how can you say it doesn't matter? <laughs> it does uh, matter. It's true. It does. It does matter, sir. The, the low A dot, the, the short pass feeds not only your completion percentage, but it also prevents you from taking sacks. Mm, schooling them, Josh. Derek Carr, top 10, baby. Finally in my life, there's somewhere Derek Carr is top 10. I think Derek Carr is not a bad player at all. Adam doesn't like hearing Dude, this kind of he's stuff. He's got man. he's got receivers now. Watch out, bro. He's got him. He's got him. All right, guys. Let's get into this episode. <laughs> let, let, let's get more into this content that we have here. Um, I don't know if Derek Carr comes up, but he might. I'll find a way to fit him in. Um, let's start with trust issues. Our, our our opportunity to help lower or raise the anxiety levels of our listeners. Um, let, let's see what we got here for trust issues. The winner of the Scott Fish Bowl will have a top four running back on their team trust or trust issues adam you can start i'm gonna say trust i I think that traditionally scott fishbowl has always kind of focused on the running back and the quarterback positions as far as from like a scoring standpoint they always stand out Uh, i think last year in this scoring uh christian mccaffrey was first but Lamar was right on his tails, and, I mean, Lamar definitely has that ceiling. I don't think any other quarterback has that ceiling. And if you want me to bet on one positional player versus an entire position, because I think there's plenty of running backs that could do it, I'm just I'm going to take the position every time. Lamar is great. He could do it. He's the only outlier that I see that possible with. I see that not possible with any other quarterback personally i think that rushing is way too big of a factor in this scoring and i think that the only player that presents that level of upside from a rushing standpoint while still being a quarterback is lamar josh quarterback is becoming a position that's kind of like running back where it really matters how you get your volume and lamar creates so much rushing volume that he's like He's different in the same way that Le'Veon Bell used to be different. And like Austin Eckler is now different because their volume comes through passing, which just makes them so much more efficient. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as like the the winner 
of Scott Fishbowl having a top four running back, like as if it has to be like a must. I, I, I say trust issues. I don't agree with it. I mean, there's to me, I'm going to take the field. Basically, there's too many ways to win the league, in my opinion, to like commit to that for me. Um, so I don't think you know the winner has to have one of these top four running backs. It doesn't. I don't. I don't think and who wins doesn't have to have Christian McCaffrey, Elliott, or one of these guys. Like I think there's other ways to win this. Um, well, so- I don't necessarily think that meant top four drafted. I, my my interpretation of it was top four finishing. Do, do, are you taking it as top four drafted or is finishing top open. four? I want it to be either way. Okay. Like, is it going to be you're going to find Alvin Kamara or is it going to be like you have to pick right in the top four? Yeah, because, I mean, for instance, just for uh, – statement's sake the top four in this scoring from last season would have been McCaffrey Derrick Henry Delvin Cook and Aaron Jones all four of those guys you're not getting like a huge ADP value on um but you know McCaffrey was the only one of them being drafted in the top four so I I think that there's a little bit of a distinction there um as far as uh, having one of those players that is actually a top four running back at the end of the year. I think that when you're playing in these huge tournament style, you know, leagues where where we're competing against, you know, 1400 other people, it's really hard to envision someone getting all the way to the final and then winning the final and not having one of those core assets. I think Neil's right in the sense that like, it's not impossible, but I, I think personally, I would want to be trying to identify who I think those elite running backs could be and really trying to target them because I think that the value there is so much greater than just trying to pick other pieces. So so let me just say this before we move on to like the next next question here. And I know we'll get more into what we would do at different spots in the draft, but so are are you saying that if you're in the back, you know, back of the first round, 10, 11, 12, you're going to go running back? You would go running back just because of the fact that you think a running back it's going to lead you to championship here. I mean, I think it really depends on what's available, but based on the way this scoring is set up, there's only a, a barely a handful of wide receivers and tight ends that I think are worth drafting in the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. So more likely than not, yeah, it's going to be a running back or quarterback. Okay. I hear you. I hear you. Josh, anything else on this before we move on? No, right. no, just good stuff there. I agree with what you guys are talking about. All right. All right. The next one we got here is the quarterback one will be drafted in the first round. Trust or trust issues on that? Josh, you want to start that one? I do not trust it. I do not trust it. And I do not trust it because I saw in some of my own leagues, you know, across different formats, Patrick Mahomes finished as the QB8. And I just think that the mechanics of this position are such that the QB1 could easily come outside of the first round. Like if the question is first round only or everybody else, I'm betting on everybody else. Nobody else is going to do it. And Dak is probably my – Dak Prescott is probably my front runner. You're not getting a huge discount there. He might even go in the first round. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, if we just look at, uh, you know, the mock drafts that have occurred so far for the Scott Fishbowl, personally, I don't think they're that reliable. Uh, that being 
said, I think they're kind of the best thing we have to go off of at this point. Based on those three quarterbacks are going in the first round right now, I mean, obviously Lamar and Mahomes, but Dak is still falling into the end of the first. Personally, I think that's more likely a better shot. I'm going to guess in most drafts you're going to see four or five, potentially even upwards of six going in the first round. Because from what I've seen in the past, almost every year in Scott Fishbowl, I feel like the mock drafts, are less QB heavy than the actual drafts are. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. But I feel like even if you take this down to you know QB four and include Prescott and Watson as far as first round quarterbacks go, I'm still with Josh. I mean, I, I still want to take the field, uh, which feels a little crazy when you have you know the QB one from last year and the QB one from two years ago in that top four. Um, but this scoring definitely changes things a little bit. And, you know, Josh was saying Patrick Mahomes wasn't a top quarterback, and in some leagues he was as low as eight. If you look at this scoring last year, he was QB4. But what's interesting is that he was behind Drew Brees of all quarterbacks. And I think that that's kind of interesting in this particular scoring. And right behind him was Ryan Tannehill. So it's, it's one of these things where... I just I think that there's too many opportunities for other quarterbacks to emerge. And I think it's going to be much closer with the exception of somebody like a Lamar Jackson who has that insane rushing upside. Yeah. And are you when you're saying the rankings right now, are you looking at last year's scoring or this year's scoring? So I'm looking at uh, what happened last year based on uh, Scott Fishbowl scoring from this year so okay, gotcha. scott fishbowl 10 scoring um uh, sorry specifically that was actually points per game i didn't realize that i was uh looking at points per game instead of full season because obviously ryan Tannehill didn't play the full season right. so um from a points per game standpoint though drew Brees was the second overall quarterback and ryan Tannehill was the qb5 those are two quarterbacks that right now are are not being drafted that highly and are not one of these first round guys. So I think there's going to be guys that you can get later who are still going to be is super valuable. Right. Yeah. I agree with you both. All right. Last uh, trust issue that we have here is Joe Mixon belongs in the first round of the Scott fishbowl trust or trust issues. I think he belongs there because of like, like Adam has been talking about the, like the, prioritization of the running back position as a whole but I think he's a turn pick and, and it kind of depends on how you feel about Dalvin and his potential holdout but I think Joe Mixon belongs in the conversation yeah for me it's a hard trust issues I'm, I I pick at the back of the, the first and I would not draft Joe Mixon um, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't go Joe Mixon. But again, it, it, this is one of those things where it's like if you love Joe Mixon or you're a big believer in Joe Mixon or you absolutely want a running back because there's some people who just refuse to leave the first without a running back, then I get it. You know I mean, like that's a guy that people see rising. They feel super strong and confident in, in his workload and everything. Um, but it, it wouldn't be where I would go just because it's not my strategy and Scott Fishbowl to, to, to play that, that route. But um, I definitely understand you know, if someone does it, I'm kind of curious, Adam, are you, I'm assuming you're all fine with that as far as Joe Mixon in the first. 
Oh, yeah. I, to me, I'm so far away from that. It's not even funny. Mm-hmm. I am not on the bandwagon of the running back on a rookie quarterback's offense. Like, that to me is just a bad recipe. They were the worst team in the NFL last year. Just because Joe Burrow comes there doesn't mean they're going to make this huge rebound. I feel like I personally made the mistake of getting overly excited about what a talented rookie quarterback can do for your franchise that's struggling in watching the Cardinals last year. So I'm really pulling back the reins and tempering expectations on the Bengals offense. I think drafting Mixon highly is super foolish, personally. I, I really do. I think that they're not going to be in a position to score often enough to really put him in a position to score touchdowns, which at the end of the day, no matter what fantasy format you place, touchdowns are always worth the most. They always have the most impact. So for me, I mean, just looking at how he did last year, and if you're just looking at the Scott Fishbowl 10 scoring, he was overall uh, 29th in scoring last year. So it's just, it doesn't really it doesn't do anything for me. I, I think that there's a lot of guys who um, are going to be drafted around him that I, I would just rather have. Like I, I'd take my chances with Derrick Henry over him personally. I mean, I'm probably drafting Miles Sanders over him, Nick Chubb over him, Josh Jacobs. Like for me, oh, Joe Mixon's like around Kenyon Drake, and honestly, Kenyon Drake, I feel like has just as much opportunity in a better offense. So. It, for me, it's 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 a positional thing. I like those takes, Adam. I got I got I'm like banning myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really down on Joe Mixon. I mean, I, I don't think I'm going to own him pretty much anywhere. I'm with you, Adam. As far as I, I would take Jake over Mixon. You you are one Joe Burrow handshake away from Joe Mixon 101. <laughs> All are. I'm with you, Adam. Drake over Mixon, baby. That, dude, that I don't hate that take. I don't hate that take, and that's like three rounds of value. <laughs> I would do it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think Kenyon Drake's probably going to be firmly in the third round of the Scott Fishbowl. He might even sneak into some second rounds of the Scott Fishbowl, again, just based upon the scoring and how it's going to emphasize running backs. I, that I, being said, I just I – don't, I don't see how you draft someone like Joe Mixon – when the other players that are going there are on offenses that are going to be in the playoffs. Like, they're, they're efficient offenses. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're looking at the Tennessee Titans, when you're looking at offenses like the Philadelphia Eagles, like, these are talented offenses. I'm not going to, you know, pick the running back on a team that I don't know if they're going to get four wins this year. Dude, it's a good take. Like, so, so tell me, how, how good do you think the Cardinals are going to be? I mean, that's that's the thing for me. I, I honestly don't even know if the Cardinals are going to be an eight-win team this year. That being said, we know from what their offense did last year that they're going to be efficient on offense. They're going to struggle on defense. That That's the trouble with that team. For me, I, I mean, again, Kenyon Drake, to me, is where Joe Mixon should be. It's not really like a, a knock or a plus on either player. It's just that like I think they're being misevaluated by – the masses i think joe mixon shouldn't be where he is right now he should be closer to that like low-end rb1 not even i I honestly think that joe mixon's an rb2 i mean that's just that's just personally where i'm at and i like guys like Kenyon drake because to me they just present a higher potential ceiling 
Joe Mixon, according to what I'm looking at, is going like RB6. And Kenyon Drake is going like RB11, which is the difference between 111 and 212. Yeah. So it is one round, but that's a very significant round. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's gonna be fun to see. I mean, I, I'm not surprised if Joe Mixon sneaks into the first round of people's drafts. That's not gonna be surprising at all. Um, I'm no, gonna... I think he'll go in the first round of a lot of Scott yeah. drafts. I do think it's a mistake. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Which I think most people probably aren't with us on that. <laughs> so it's gonna be like I said, it's gonna be fun. And, that, and that's again, that's what makes the Scott Fishbowl so fun. Is there's gonna be so many leagues, so many ways for this thing to shake out. And so it's just gonna be a fun, you know, fun game. Like like I said. You can't like predict this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we think that's gonna happen, but in your league it might happen, in my league it won't. It's gonna be like I don't know. It's just gonna be crazy. It just depends on the people you get paired with. That's really what it is. Like yeah, of course. I mean, that's what happens when there's this many leagues. Is everybody's draft is gonna flow a little bit differently, and it becomes very difficult to predict. But with any league, you can kind of get a feel for what the first round, two rounds, three rounds are gonna kind of feel like just based upon the fact that there's a lot more groupthink in those elite players. Once you get beyond that, though, I mean, that's when personal evaluations take over, and especially in a league like this where, you know, it, in in all words, it, it's a bragging rights league. I mean, that's, that's why people play the Scott Fishbowl is to brag about it. So, you know, people like getting their guys. So it very quickly turns into, you know, every draft is very different based upon people reaching for players that they particularly like. Yeah. I feel like that's not as, not as much the case in those first couple rounds. Yeah, it's definitely not. All right. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about draft approach. I mean, cause that's a big part of this. And like we said, there's no one way to really nail the draft approach down because it's going to be so many different variations, but it's really to me like the best part of this whole thing. So let's get into the draft approach. Um, let's talk about early picks, mid middle picks of the draft, late picks. Um, Adam, you have an early pick, right? On your league. I do not oh, actually, I was just going to uh, take the early picks for the discussion here. Okay. Um, so we could spread it out a little bit. I am actually drafting 11th in okay. the hogs division. All right. So um, me. Represent. Um, so yeah, Neil and I are actually drafting, Back to back, obviously in different divisions, but Neil's drafting twelfth, and uh, Josh, I can't recall where are you drafting because you'll be discussing the middle right now. Yeah, I'm a one oh eight. Okay, so yeah, I mean, essentially to kind of give us a little bit more variety, I'm just going to kind of talk about if I was drafting from the start because that was what I was hoping would happen. Uh, I'm fine with drafting eleventh. In fact, I love it because. To me, like that, that's the truest form of the Scott Fishbowl. I know Scott was allowing people to pick their positions uh, for where they wanted to draft this year, but I just think it's neat um, to, for me personally, not get what I had asked for <laughs> because that's what it's been every year prior to this. So, you know, that, that's what it should be. And honestly, I think uh, drafting from 11th, just, you know, before I transition to talking about drafting from early, one of the neat things about drafting from the back part of the draft is you get to see what everyone else is doing in this new and different format, which to me can be an advantage. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know how you guys want to kick it off. I mean, obviously, if I'm talking about the early picks, I kind of already touched on it a little bit um, as far as what I would do at the very start of the draft. So for I'm- me... 
it's going to be very running back focused, but Lamar does sneak in there. So, like, if I was just talking about drafting from maybe, like, one of those first four spots, for me, Lamar is in there and Mahomes is nowhere near it. Uh, it it's McCaffrey, it's Barkley, and uh, honestly, it's Elliott or Kamara. That's probably going to be a toss-up. And Lamar is going to find his way in there. I I don't know which I would emphasize more. Um, I think just because of overall, like, that positional drop-off that Josh talked about being more resemblant of uh, the running back drop-off for the quarterback position in this format, I think I might go with Lamar uh, in that in those top four spots. Um, but outside of Lamar, like, then I totally transition to running back, and, and I think that's probably going to be how I view most of the first round. But, uh, but Josh, how would you approach those middle rounds say if you know the likes of Lamar and well some of those running backs are gone so I I pretty much agree with what you said I think that McCaffrey Barkley Elliott Kamara is the top tier and then in the middle rounds if I can get any of that of course I'm taking it and I think Michael Thomas is really in the the conversation so I would be happy to take Michael Thomas where I'm at and I, I'm more inclined to take what I see as a top one or two tight end than I am to take Lamar or Mahomes ahead of them because I just feel like the QB one is not going to be that predictable. It's going to be somebody that pops up and has a, um, you know, that, that kind of value that Lamar delivered last year. So I really want, like, Michael Thomas first, Kels, Kittle, and then I'm looking at those two quarterbacks after that. All right, so we see – so, all right, so Adam says he feels like four running backs, maybe Lamar mixed in, like, let's say the top four picks. In your spot, like, fifth to eighth maybe? At, uh, Josh, yeah. you feel like yeah. if any of those running backs fall, I'm taking them in the fifth spot or in that area. And then if not, you're more inclined, you're saying, to let the quarterbacks continue to drop? Yeah, I would take Michael Thomas, Kels, and Kittle ahead of Lamar. Any quarterback, that, basically. That hurts me a little bit, but Lamar and Mahomes. Okay. Just because of the position. Okay. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. All right, so – so basically, I mean, with me being in the last spot, right, let's just say the last four picks, and I, I am the 12th spot, and I did ask for it, um, specifically because I like, for multiple reasons, to be in the 12th spot. One, I like to watch the draft fall to me um, to see how things are going. You know, we, we mentioned how we think things are going to go and how, um, you know, what the data says and, and all these kind of things. But, again, every league is different. You don't know who loves who um, in, in your division, in your league. So – you don't know what's going to happen. So I like that 12 spot because it puts me in this position where I get to see what the other 11 people in front of me are thinking. And I get to kind of start, I start to kind of formulate, you know, are they just picking this in the first round to be safe? Is there a run happening straight out the gate here? Like what, what's going on? Because when I'm in that 12 spot, I'm not necessarily locked in on any particular player. Um, I just want to not be on the back end of any runs and I kind of want to start a run. So, you know, if you're going to let quarterbacks fall to me in that range, I'm going to take one, you know, if none are taken, um, if you're going to let the top tight ends fall to me because someone panicked on quarterbacks and scared everyone else started going with them, I'm going to take tight ends. So, like, whatever's falling to me at this spot, I feel good with it. As long as I feel like I can get a top two, top three guy in that spot. Do you think it's crazy to think that 
in the 12th spot that you're going to get the top two or three at, at some position? No. no. Okay. Uh, so essentially you're basically saying fade running back more likely than not. Right. I mean, it's going to be rare that, you know, okay. So, so you're kind of taking, you know, kind of a counterintuitive approach of, of targeting the elite of any position. Right. I need an elite game. player. And I know that in this league, there, there is going to be elite players at every position, right? And there's a few who are the cream of the crop. And I'm not going to get the top running backs. I'm not going to go crazy with that pick necessarily. I mean, I do have a pick right after that in the 12 spot, of course. So I could take a running back still in that area and be okay with it. Um, but I mean, at that point, what are you doing? You know, what I mean, are you taking Nick Chubb or something? Are you, are you taking the Joe Mixon? No. I'm not going to go there. You know, um, I would take I would take Dalvin if he's there. Dalvin is kind of my worst case 12 pick, and then ahead of Dalvin. I have Lamar, Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and yeah. Dak Prescott. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't even know if Dalvin's going to get there, honestly. Like, I don't feel like you will. I mean, yeah. the only thing is this holdout thing might scare somebody in your league, you know, and make them fall. Um, but I don't think other than that or the injuries, you know, it's a legit concern. Um, and no one wants to be in the Scott Fishbowl and get to the end and then Cook, you know, craps the bed for you. So, it's a legit chance that Dalvin Cook of all these running backs falls, right? I mean, it's p- possible. Um, but I'd rather yeah, not it, take that chance. It's going to happen. Somebody's going to get him at like 204. Right. But I mean, also, there's guys like Aaron Jones, right, who were an outlier last year. Um, who, so there's going to be another guy like Aaron Jones, probably. Right. You got your Austin Ecklers who are going to see what he's going to do. Um, so there's these guys who like, and then if, I mean, I, I know the fear is the big drop off, right, at running back. Like, if you don't take one there, what happens? <laughs> like, who do you get stuck with, right? Um, but you guys know that in all past Scott Fish Bowls, I've always gone this other route. Like I usually get the back end of the draft and I have no issue going tight end, tight end, quarterback, tight end, you know, wide receiver, tight end. I have no issue doing that. So my, my, my main goal, if I'm in the back end of the draft is I need elite players. Um, I want people I feel good about that. I don't feel like you're going to fail me because I took a risk on them. I don't want to take a gamble at the end of the round. And I just want high caliber players. I'm super confident in. I don't want to talk about what Joe Mixon might do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I don't want no mites. I don't want the ifs, the uh, you know, coulda, woulda, shouldas. I want like, oh, this guy is Lamar Jackson or this guy is, you know, Michael Thomas. I want sure things. So even at the, the back end. end of the, the end of the round is such a slam dunk for who Neil is as a person. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like yeah. exactly his personality. I guess what I'm interested in, Neil. So, all right. So, just hypothetically there. Are Michael Thomas and like Travis Kelsey the only wide receiver and tight ends that you would target, or are you willing to go below the top elite of the elite at those two positions? Because obviously, in most drafts, you're going to see multiple running backs and multiple quarterbacks go in the first round, but there will be drafts where you only see Michael Thomas or Travis Kelsey or both, or probably there'll be one or two that have neither of them go in the first round. Right. This is where you come into the situation of, you know, would you take Chris Godwin before, you know, those, those other guys like, you know, that are going to be there. Um, I mean, if Dalvin cook falls there, like he's consideration, of course, I just don't, I'm not going to plan on that. You know what I mean? So if you're telling me like Nick Chubb or Chris Godwin, I, who knows? You know what I mean? Like I might, I might not go Nick Chubb. Who knows? I mean, it just, we'll just see how it plays out. Um, I'm willing to consider anything. It just depends on what's happening in front of me. Do you know what I mean? So I, I, I've, I've been in enough of these to know that there's no way for me to predict what's going to happen. I've seen every kind of run in front of me. You know what I mean? So 
we'll we'll see. And, and the thing I like also is that I control. Like, this is Ben Buddha football fantasy football guys. <laughs> and I like that I can also cause a run. Right, you know what I'm saying? Like, so if quarterbacks do fall, and I take like Lamar and Mahomes go crazy, like everyone's gonna start to freak out. Like, so I, I like that. I like having that thing where okay, now I'm gonna make everybody freak out. Hopefully, and now some people are gonna fall to me that I didn't expect to originally. You know what I mean? So there's just it's just a lot of fun at the back of the end of the draft for me. Um, so I have fun with it. I don't get too uptight about it. I'm gonna try to get the best players early on, and then let you know see how things how things fall out to me. But let's just say, for instance, I'm in the Eliminator League, right? which I was trying to sort of draft like Scott Fishbowl. Um, I was the ninth pick, I think, there. Yeah, ninth pick. I took Michael Thomas um, at that spot. And then my next pick was DeAndre Hopkins. So I'm willing to go. I went wide receiver, wide receiver. like. And that was like 17 picks later. <laughs> yeah. So you're talking like pick 34. Yeah, and then my pick. next pick was after that was Chris Godwin. That's ridiculous. So I just kept going. Like, it just kept happening. And then, and then in the... Fourth round, I took Darren Waller. So I haven't got a running back. I was four rounds in, five rounds in. Yeah, to a very deep draft, too, because, I mean, you're drafting 17 teams in those eliminated right. teams. I actually, in the fifth round, teams, got so. James Conner. I'm totally okay with James Conner in the fifth round and uh, not taking That's Mixon. the first pick I don't like. like the first <laughs> but I'm okay with it, though. Like, in the fifth round, and I have no running backs, I'm okay with it. Like, this was a masterpiece until you said the words James Conner. Yeah, well, See, was, he, he, you realize he got him at like picks like 80? Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, I'm I not mean, mad at it. Yeah, it's crazy value. That being said, I mean, to kind of circle back to what you're saying, essentially you're saying that there's value. There, there can be value in going contrarian. And, I mean, a, a lot of times I'd agree with you. I don't know how that's going to pan out in this format, but I think that what you did say that I think – is something that goes overlooked in every fantasy league, regardless of format, is, like, drafting those players that you just feel confident in. Like, no wishy-washy first-round, second-round picks. They're just – it's not worth it to you, and oftentimes they just – they don't pan out. So the more confident you can feel in a pick, like – that that's huge, especially in those back end of the first round, beginning of the second round picks, because there can be a lot of times a ton of value in just drafting someone who's super consistent. Exactly. Yeah, I, I want to be confident in my pick, you know, no matter where I'm picking at. And at the back of the 12th, if that means I'm taking a tight end or a wide receiver because they're the best ones and they're elite, I'm not going to take the seventh best running back, eighth best running back. I'm just not going to do it. Um, so, yeah, that's how I feel. I think we spent a lot of time on that. <laughs> so hopefully we kind of, you know, create a picture. I feel like there. this can be generalized into like every kind of advice, like dating advice. Don't take the one that you're not sure about. <laughs> you know, just let the, let it come to you. Right. Let the elite come to you, man. Let the tent, let the dime drop. She'll come. There'll be one that will fall through the cracks, man. They always do. Let's move on to the next uh, draft approach question we have here. Um, what is your top priority for you in round one? I guess we kind of discussed that, right? I mean, we could focus more on our actual pick. I just kind of did that myself, so I don't really want to get further into it. But do either one of you want to go any f- further into your top priority in your actual draft position? No, I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the okay. head in a way when you kind of talked about the fact that, like, these drafts are so different that it, it's so tough to kind of go through it round by round because we just we really don't know what's going to be available I mean, if we wanted to kind of talk about our general approach or 
how um, you know the scoring is going to impact what we value. I think we've kind of already done that a yeah. little bit with Neil emphasizing like he's comfortable with going contrarian as long as he's focusing on players that he feels extremely confident in their consistency. And I emphasize the fact that like based on the scoring, I think that running back is really going to be extremely valuable and that, um, that, you know, having one of those top running backs to me is going to be a really a core foundational play. So it, it, do, do we have anything that we really want to expand upon as far as the other rounds go? I mean, really, I, I don't know other than like talking about when do we want to approach potentially drafting quarterback. Um, that's really the only other topic that I think we could really tackle that would be applicable to all the leagues because it, it's so hard with this because every league is so different. Yeah, my, my only thing in the first round is I'm just curious how many people – if. If it just went running back, let's just let's just get crazy and say that, you know, you're eight picks in and nobody picked anything else than running backs. Like, you really picking Joe Mixon, Josh, or would you go a different route and break? No way. Okay. No, I, I would go Michael Thomas at that point. I would go Michael Thomas, Travis Kells, George Kittle, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Okay, so you're not Russell. married to running back unless one of the top ones fall, basically. Yeah, okay. like Dalvin Cook is my running back five, and I have him at one twelve. And that lines up with the history of this scoring. So, like, he he's my RB5. I'm taking him at 112. I'm actually a little bit hot on that. Like, I'm taking him ahead of where the running back five usually finishes. And I... Would you take I Dalvin do, Cook do, before Kelsey and all those guys? I would take Kels ahead of him. Okay. Kels... And four running backs, or four quarterbacks, I'm gotcha. sorry. All right. That's interesting. So there's a chance. I mean, we'll see how this Cook news shakes out and, you know, when that time it comes. But, you know, he, he may be the steal of people's drafts. Like He really could be. Know, there's a real chance of that, depending on how it plays out. I would definitely rather have Cook over Mixon. I'll just say that. So however that plays out, you know, that's where I'm at. But as far as, like, top priority for first round, I think we kind of covered that. Um you know, and just in general, in that first thing, we talked a lot in that first uh, subject here. Um, how about round two? Anything you guys have that, you know, you're hoping that it plays out a certain way for you or you're hoping a certain player falls around two? Like, do you have your eyes set on a specific guy? I mean, is there any have you guys thought far enough into that? Like, see, again, that's for me. I'm pick 12. So, like, it's next pick. Right. So, like, I'm just going to get the guys I want there and it's not going to really be a big deal. But, you know, you guys pick a little later into the second rounds. Do you, you know, have a certain guy you want to see fall there, or is it just kind of again let this thing come to me? Actually, real quick, Neil. Like since we're kind of snaking back around, I do have one question for you as far as picking on the turn, especially in a format like this. Are you ever opposed to going two players at the same position there? Hell no. Because of this type of format, Hell like, no. are, are you comfortable with going? two quarterbacks or two tight ends, like you said, to create a run? Or do you think that pigeonholes you too much? No, no, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with, number one, making people go, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what do I do now? Like, 
Is this going to be a thing? And I like, I, I, I always feel like there's going to be something of value for me. Like I'm not going to be totally screwed no matter what I do. So like so, somewhere along the line, there's going to be some sort of run or there's going to be players that I didn't expect to go as high that went higher than I, than I like them at. So like, I always feel comfortable with, you know, I, I know what's there if I do that. You know what I mean? So I'm fine going tight end, tight end. I've done it before and it played out fine. Um, the only time it really burns you is if one gets hurt. You know what I mean? So if if it comes to like injury prone guys, like guys that I I am concerned about, I know people like hate the word injury prone, but like if there's guys that I feel not confident about injury wise, and I wouldn't do it, um, but that shouldn't really happen in the first. You know, it's not really a concern. But um, later, I wouldn't typically go back to back at the same position if it's guys that I'm concerned about health wise or anything like that. But for the most part, I have no issue, you know, doubling up on anything in the first. I just wouldn't do it with running backs because I know everyone gets in love with them and they matter so much. But at that point, I feel like the value is lost. You know, at the end of the first round, so I would not, I would not go running back, running back. That makes a lot of sense. So, Josh, with with how you're kind of open to, you know, o- almost similar to what Neil said, like approaching that top player at a position in those middle rounds. What are you kind of hoping ends up for you there in that second round? I'm I'm hoping for one of those top four QBs. That seems like the most likely scenario. You really think that they're going to fall that far? See, I don't think they will. Well, I don't I, think so at all, man. I think you I might wait. be lucky to get like Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray in that range, but I I don't know about those top four falling outside of the first round, let alone past the turn and, and like into that okay. that middle range. So I mean, I, it's possible. Like you said, like that's best case scenario. If one of those hit you in the face, like that, it's great. And these drafts are going to be so different. That will happen there will be a league where someone gets Dak Prescott in the middle of the second round. That's definitely going to happen. But I would be happy to take Joe Mixon or Derrick Henry, or if Kittle falls to me, I would be happy to go there. That's so interesting. Cause you just named two players that it's like Derrick Henry is someone who I would consider in the first round. Joe Mixon is someone who I don't know if I'd draft in the second round. <laughs> 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 like I am so they're, they're so polar opposites for me, um, especially in this format. And also what you mentioned, Adam, about, um, you know, the chances of a certain guy falling to you, even though it's not expected. Like that's another big thing with Scott Fishbowl, which, you know, I kind of you kind of hate it in a way, like when it gets towards the end and these teams start to like, you know, come to the playoffs and stuff like there's going to be people who got steals in their draft and they automatically had an advantage because of that. You know what I mean, so and it's bound to happen. It happens every year. Like you just can't believe a guy got a certain player in the second round, or you know, or the guy at the turn gets like these amazing two amazing players, and you're like, how did they let these two follow this guy? Like, and that's bound to happen. And it's kind of frustrating because you know you're gonna like you can't ignore these other leagues' drafts because you're like, I'm gonna see this guy if I get to the end. You know what I mean? So like, it does frustrate you a little bit when you see surprises fall like that because you're like, there's no way this guy should have got this guy, and now he's gonna be in the playoffs potentially, and I'm gonna have to deal with it. So. Um, it is something that's you know you you think about that you don't normally think about in other leagues, but um, it'll be interesting, man. It'll be interesting. We'll see how it goes. All right. Um, so then I guess you know you want you want to move to round two then. I mean round three. You guys. Yeah, any- I mean I'll, I'll kind of take like at the end of the second going into the third round. I feel like it, more often than not, if your core position is going to be running back again, there's going to be the occasional. Lamar Jackson in there and I think with those it kind of opens up yourself a little bit more um but I I honestly think that I'm probably going to be pounding running back 
uh, as crazy as it sounds, I think there could be a lot of value in going like RBX three um, or taking two running backs and a quarterback. The the toughest decision I think here um, for anybody drafting in like those early picks is going to be whether or not to pass on quarterback because you don't really know what's going to end up coming back to you in the fourth round. Um, you don't know about those quarterback runs. It's so hard on the ends to be able to judge whether or not a run is going to happen. And like Josh was saying before, there's a bit more steep of a drop-off at the quarterback position. So I think that, you know, if in that back half of the first, I'm able to get a quarterback like, you know, Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson fall, that's phenomenal. But I think the ones that I'm probably going to be looking to draft there, if they're there, are, are going to be like a Drew Brees. I think he's probably, I mean, honestly, he might be the only quarterback that I'm really looking at there. And then outside of that, I'm probably going to be targeting a lot of running backs in that range. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Again, you know, I'm going to keep the same narrative for me as far as I'm letting things fall to me. I'm not going to get you know, dedicated to a position or have my eyes sit on a certain player or position. Um, I, I do want to ask a question that we don't have on here um, that I think is interesting. Do, do either of, are either of you willing, or do you have your mind set on letting a certain position fall? Like, are you okay with going, Hey, I'm not going to draft a quarterback for like ever. If my, if my league is drafting quarterbacks, particularly slowly, I will let them fall. But that's the only position. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to pick up three of what I think are top five tight ends. Yeah, because people love to say like, oh, you know, the quarterbacks are going to go slower than you think after the certain guys. But that's ne it like never holds true. Like in Superflex, those suckers fly, man. Like guys that you don't even feel should be drafted as high as they are, are just going because it's Superflex. And like nobody wants to get stuck with, you know, a bad quarterback or two bad quarterbacks or sometimes not three quarterbacks. So like. Every time I want to believe that quarterbacks won't continue to fall, I mean, fly off the board, they do. Like, no matter what. Like, I'm never a guy that likes to pay a lot for quarterbacks. So when they can, when they don't fall, it, like, kind of drives me nuts. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, I don't want to force my hand into a quarterback right now. <laughs> but at some point, in a super flex, like, if I don't, if you don't draft a quarterback, I mean, let's just, if, if we're looking at quarterbacks that, you know, in this scoring from last year, um, like, once you get to, like, Jared Goff, he scored, like, 227 points in this scoring. So, like, I mean, how valuable is he really? I mean, at that point, like, you're talking about, like, running backs-wise, like, he's matched up with, like, David Montgomery, like, 23 running backs in, you know what I mean? So, you know, and it gets worse from there. <laughs> so it just really depends, man. Like, we, there's no reason to reach for Bakers and, you know, all these guys who just, you know, they're, are they really going to move the needle enough just because it's super flex for you to reach for it? You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where I do tend to let quarterbacks fall because I want to believe that people aren't going to go crazy over them, but then they always tend to do it. Um, so we'll see, man. But that is the one position that I do tend to let fall. I let running backs fall in the past, and it did burn me. So I can only go so far on running on running backs because um, last year I went like wide receiver all the way, and and running backs definitely hurt me later. Yeah, I think that uh, I'm like personal draft position, not not what we were talking about where I was, you know, kind of playing the role of the beginning of the draft. But in my actual league, I'm picking 11th. And that's kind of the range that, you know, 
I like the idea of one of these top four quarterbacks, if they fall, taking them there. Because I think that there's going to be value in having an elite quarterback. But outside of the elite of the elite of the position, I think that I'm not really going to make it a priority to draft, you know, a guy who I think is going to be the QB six. Yeah. Like I just, I don't think that it's really going to be worthwhile. I think that I'm better off taking players that I think present more upside. I think outside of, you know, getting lucky in the first round and having some elite quarterback kind of fall on my lap, I'm probably going to be fading the position and, and seeing how long I can, you know, you know, it's a game of chicken. Yeah, you know, when you're when you're waiting on quarterbacks, especially in these leagues, especially drafting at the ends, it, it becomes a real game of chicken. But yeah. uh, sometimes you got to play it. Yes, because yeah. there's just yeah, I mean, there's not there's not value in reaching. No, yeah, you gotta take the temperature in the room, man. You gotta be like, has this is this the round? <laughs> is this the round I gotta do this? You gotta see what it is. But yeah, I tend to let the quarterbacks fall. I just like I said, if I don't go quarterback at that back end of that round, that first round, it's probably gonna be you know quarterbacks late it's just probably what it is um is that all we have for scott fishbowl is there anything else that we really want to point out? i mean like i said we're going to revisit this a ton we're going to revisit scott fishbowl a ton we'll have guests on specifically about it we'll talk more about it as things get closer and we start narrowing these things down more and more but is there anything initially that we want to put out there into the universe on scott fishbowl right now listen it's really all about like just meeting a couple new people that you actually want to interact with and, and expanding your horizons a little bit. I feel like that's what it's really about because we're all going to lose <laughs> except for like, hey, so you might as well focus on something else. <laughs> yeah. I had a down year last year, but I've, I've done well in the past. So I, I hope to rebound this year. So I have to recalculate. Some Yo, what did you finish last year? Last year wasn't good. I don't think. I think I want to forget. Bro. I wanted to forget about I'm gonna it. I'm going to ass after you call your not good year better than half of my years. <laughs> well, that's not the benchmark here, Josh. It's not the benchmark. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, we'll get more into these guys. We'll get more into this league just in general. But for anyone who is participating, we look forward to competing against you if you're in our leagues. Like I said, it's, like you said, it's a lot of fun to get to know people. Definitely donate. Even if you aren't a part of the Scott Fishbowl and you're just super happy and nice and you want to help people. <laughs> donate like that's there for you or join eliminator leagues if there are any are still open i don't know if they are um but definitely just get involved in somehow use the hashtag talk about it it's fun you know we'll continue these episodes if you guys have scott fishbowl oriented questions or if there's certain guests you want to hear talk about it you know just let us know and we'll we'll, we'll accommodate those things as best as possible um i do want to move on to foul or no foul before we close this episode out um of course you guys know Long-time listeners, foul or no foul, I'm going to throw statements out. We're going to say whether we agree or disagree with them. If we disagree with them, there's a foul. If we don't agree, if we do agree with it, it's no foul. Um, so the first one I have for you here, guys, is Lamar Jackson says this happened, but I want to – his head coach says it didn't. The Ravens took the Titans lightly last season in the playoffs. Foul or no foul? What do you guys think? I think I think it's a foul. Foul? I think that he – wants to place the blame elsewhere and the coaches are probably professionals who showed up to work probably did their best i don't think they were like uh taking the week off i mean i i appreciate the intensity from a competitor but i think he should chill <laughs> yeah i agree it's it, i mean it's a foul it's just like 
the idea that it was a emotional response and they just like got cocky and didn't train. It's like, it's literally the AFC championship. Like, I mean, I just had a brain fart. Was it the AFC championship? (laughs) But I mean, no one's taking anyone lightly at that point. Like, I mean, like, that's just ridiculous to say. Obviously, he's probably emotional about it still. And, you know, he doesn't want to believe that they just got outclassed or whatever the case may be. Got out coached that game, whatever it was. But they weren't going into it like, ah, it's just the Titans, guys. Don't worry. Let's just get out there and do what we do. Like, that's not what happened. But I thought it was an interesting thing happening. Um, I asked about Cap last week. So uh, I want to ask about Josh Gordon this week. He applied for reinstatement. At, at, and this time, he will not be banned again. Foul or no foul? I I think he's going to play like four or five games. Damn you, Josh. Can't even up for another Josh, man. Hey, like maybe we should just be cool with George, Josh Gordon's going to play four or five games. And that's uh, just what he does. I don't know. What's that? Uh, I was going to say, I'm going to go no foul, but I just, I think that even if he gets reinstated, like he might not make a roster, bud. Yeah. Like he's just, yeah. I just, I just don't know anymore. He's such, like, he has such a history that it's so much baggage for a team to bring him in. I, I mean, unless the Patriots are going to do it again, and God knows what the Patriots are doing, even. I, I just, I don't know. I don't see it. All right. Not a bit, not a lot of Josh support at this point. I do feel bad because I think he said like his brother died or something, and that like caused him to like relapse. Man. It sucks. Well, then maybe he should take a year off. I don't know, man. Like, or maybe the NFL should just like stop caring about it and just let him play. It's kind yeah, of I think it's hard to take a year off. He's getting older, man. Yeah. He doesn't have a lot. Of it's years one of those. It's, 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 literally, it's literally similar to the Kaepernick situation. Like, you can only yeah. put so many years in the garbage, you know, before it's like, you know, can I yeah. really do this at a high level anymore at this point? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know what's best for Josh Gordon, but if what's best for Josh Gordon is playing three games and then doing something else, then fine. Yeah. We'll see how it plays out, but hopefully it ends well. Um, the next one. Now that Dak signed his franchise tender, has a bucket full of money, an offense filled with weapons, he will finish this fantasy season as a top three quarterback. Foul or no foul? No foul. Yeah, I think that Dak right now is – I mean, he should be in a, just about everybody's top three. I mean, for me, he is the QB three right now behind Lamar and behind Mahomes. I think he probably presents the most likely chance um, of any other quarterback outside of Mahomes and Lamar to finish in the top three. So it, it's definitely a high ceiling. Um you know, it's hard for any quarterback to finish top three. But I think Dak has shown us that, you know, he's capable. And I think he's already taken that next step. It's just a matter of, you know, if you're going to be on board with it, staying consistent. Yeah. Josh, you agree? Yeah. Dak Prescott's good at football. And the Cowboys might have the best right wide receivers in the NFL. Yeah. So why not? It's going to be fun. The last one I have for you here, uh, New England Patriots quarterback Jarrett Stidham will keep his job for the entire season and do well. Foul or no foul? Foul. I don't know what they're doing, but it ain't that. <laughs> I'm rooting for the guy, man. I, I, I really think like there's a chance he could be okay. Like I don't know why. Maybe I'm just optimistic. Maybe I just don't see the Patriots do a lot of bad things very often. But I just feel like, I mean, all right, e- even more so than this. 
do you what, what do you what what percentage do you put on that he's the starter week one? Oh, week one is like probably a seventy percent bet. What's the percentage right now that there is a week one? <laughs> Whenever week one is, whatever it is, do you feel like what, what's the percentage you put on Jared Siddham actually starting and not Brian Hoyer, the veteran who you know knows the system and all this kind of stuff, or some outside vet that nobody expected? Like, who do you put I, there? I think it's less than fifty. I mean, it might be like forty, but I'd probably say like thirty-three and a third. I think that there's yeah there. There's a one-third chance that he starts, a one-third chance that Brian Horner starts, and a one-third chance that Cam Newton starts. <laughs> or some other random creation. Damn. Is look. Cam still out there? Like, there's no way that the Patriots aren't getting Cam, right? <laughs> I don't know, man. That's just how this works. That's how it's like, supposed to work. You know. What if that... they decided that their mission is tanking? I mean, if it is, then sure. Like, but is it, it with that defense? How can you tank with that defense? Like, it's. I mean, it, it's, it's going to be pretty tough. It's There's some bad teams out there. There's some legitimately bad teams that are poorly coached. I think it'll be very difficult for them to be the worst team in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, as crazy as that sounds. If the defense is truly that good, then Jim is about to be Trent Dilfer. <laughs> and. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I, 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 one part of me says, yeah, he's going to be Trent Dilfer. Another part says, how could they not sign Cam? Like, if that defense well, the, is that good. You know what I mean? The problem is, is that, yeah, if they don't sign a quarterback, they don't have an offense because they don't have a rushing game. Like, the, they don't right now. Sonny Michelle is not the answer. And they're not going to run James White or, I mean, Damian Harris maybe is the answer. But, like, really, I, I don't think, I don't know. Yeah, you can fall down the Patriots rabbit hole and you'll never get out. <laughs> if you were drafting in Scott Fishbowl today, are you more likely to draft Jarrett Stidham or Cam Newton? Cam. Cam Newton. All right. For sure. All right. Do you want Mason Rudolph or Cam Newton? <laughs> that's, that's not fair. That's different. That's a different story, sir. Don't try. Right, sure it is. Sure it is. Where was Jarrett Stidham? <laughs> drafted i don't know but it wasn't top 15 where was tom brady drafted okay yeah like him and russell wilson and that's it (laughs) all right all right all right all right let's move on let's close this thing out let's do show and tell hopefully you guys brought something to the party here any product podcast music book philosophy advice anything you want to share i'm gonna go pretty basic with this one today um, I actually ordered something off Amazon that I thought was pretty cool. Um, I don't wash my shoes very much, but when I do, they usually get fucked up. So I said, there's got to be a better solution to this. And so I bought something off Amazon, this little bag type package thing that you put your shoes in and then in the washer and it worked like a gem. And so while I'm probably late to this party, I feel like that is a very usable product that you guys need to get on board with if you haven't already used it. Normally, I just buy new shoes, but I was like, fuck it. I don't want to buy new shoes right now. I want these shoes to just not be dirty. And not smell or whatever the case was. And so I did that and it worked. I don't have the name of it. I'm sure if you just type magical shoe washer thing on Amazon, you'll find it. Um, if somebody pays me, I'll, I'll find the name. But until then, just Google like shoe shoe bag or something on Amazon. and You'll find plenty of different ones. Um, but it actually was cool, man. It didn't like the shoes didn't come out oddly shaped. The laces weren't all screwed up. And like it was just great. It was just made everything perfect and easy. So I highly recommend you to get one of those if you're not trying to buy new shoes right now. Maybe you're hiding from COVID. Maybe you just have some shoes you love, you know, like I did. And so, yeah, I highly recommend this bag to wash your shoes with. 
That's all I got. Josh, Adam, who wants to go first? We went to a place tonight, and I've oh. never had this before, but we had a, a like a sangria and margarita swirl. This is very good. <laughs> so this this explains. Very- we cannot trust any of Josh's takes from today's episode, so you can go ahead and throw those <laughs> out the window. Only listen to Adam and my advice today. Um, that's, just, that's probably not high class enough for anyone who lives outside of the state of Oklahoma. <laughs> but for those of us out here in the hills, it works pretty good. Man, I don't know if you got anything that can top that, Adam. Can you top a swirl map? Uh, no, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> the only thing that I have is something that's pretty nerdy. But uh, if, if you're really into MMA, um, I found a YouTube channel that does uh, breakdowns of, of different knockouts. And I really love the like way in which this person breaks it down. So shout out to uh, MMA Sportsmaster on YouTube. He doesn't even have like a ton of views or anything, but I just started watching him stuff recently, and it, it, to me it was like a really concise breakdown of uh, specifically Sh- uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley, his his last two knockouts and. I just thought it was really interesting, and it was one of the only places that I could even find like the full video content on YouTube. Um, so I just thought it was really neat, and I, you know, wanted to give a guy a shout out who uh, right now has like thirty thousand views on his most viewed video. So <laughs> there's some wizards on YouTube, man. There's some really good people on there, some talented people. Um, and Sugar Sean, man, you think superstar potential, Adam? Oh, I mean, yeah, I think definitely. so too, man. I, I mean, so. just. The, the way that he approaches striking alone is, uh, I mean, it's reminiscent of when Conor McGregor came in. To, yeah, to and play. he's a character. I mean, just, he's fun. Like it's yeah, for sure. It's good stuff. I mean, I don't, I don't think you can have people like Conor McGregor anymore just because of the formula of the UFC now. Um, that being said, I mean, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be a star. Yeah, I agree. All right, man. That's all we have. We gave you guys our Scott Fishbowl advice. We gave you our show and tell. We hit up foul or no foul. Josh is drunk. Again, I must mention that. he's. I don't know. Josh, if you blew right now, would you be sober? What? what? I'm sorry. I don't understand yeah, the question. Yeah. Throw, what was let's, that? let's throw the, his advice out the window, Adam, okay? If I could cut him out of the show, I would. Um, Josh, we need you sober next episode. No, kidding. Um, all right. Josh, besides at your local Applebee's with margaritas, where can they find you on Twitter? <laughs> Uh, he nailed it. Uh, it was totally an apple. <laughs> totally an apple. Anyway, maybe back ribs, barbecue sauce. It was Fridays, chilies, or Applebee's. No question. It was this place called San Marcos, and mm. they have like they have little places all over Oklahoma City. But this was like the original, and I've only ever had this at that place. Where can they find you on on the internet, though, Josh? On the internet, when you're not at your local, when you're sometime. not at the local watering hole. Well, you can find me at Player Profiler. I, I write there sometimes, and my Twitter handle is at JC Crocker. He got through it. He didn't stutter or anything. I, I got to give you some props. That was like your, you know, DUI test. Um, Adam, where can they find you at? <laughs> yeah, everybody can find me at the other FF guy on Twitter. Dropping straight knowledge on there, straight flames. These guys are both dropping fire. Go follow them. Follow us on Twitter. If you have any questions, suggestions, feedback. I love feedback, man. I love when people hit us with feedback. It's a lot of fun. So positive, negative, what you want to hear more of, less of. 
anything, just hit us up on Twitter. Hit up any of us. We're here to talk to you guys. We'll answer it. We'll put it in the show. All that good stuff. If you haven't already, slap subscribe. Drop us a five-star review. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to get. Again, it's it's really, other than you sharing it by hitting retweet or, or whatever on social media, like it's really the only way people find out about the show. Like the, the, the five-star reviews bump you up on the charts. It helps people who are just, you know, going through things to see how, how are people receiving this show. And so when you give a five-star review right now, your five-star review will be at the top of the reviews. So people will know like what you think of the show. It's, leave us a five-star review. Follow the show. Subscribe to it. Follow us on Twitter. All that good stuff. We love you guys. As always, be kind. Be great. Keep dodging. <laughs>